Welcome to the Intuitive Therapist Podcast with Janice R. Cohen, therapist, clairvoyant, empath, and medium. Listen in as she takes a no-nonsense deep dive into real human struggles and how to resolve them. Janice will share channeled information from her spirit guide team, as well as the angels and archangels, to help you master your emotional, physical, financial, and spiritual destiny. And now, Janice R. Cohen. Hey, y'all. This is Janice Cohen, the intuitive therapist here on the Intuitive Therapist Podcast. Today's topic is an interesting one. Well, I kind of find all the topics interesting, but this one is very interesting because I think uh, the topic of abandoning yourself, most people don't really think about it. Unless you do an inner work, most people would not admit it that they do that. Uh, but you've abandoned yourself more than you realize. And I'm going to talk about that today. And then I'm going to help you figure out how not to do that. Sure, there are times where you have course corrected because you've picked up on maybe your own ghosting. Imagine that you've ghosted yourself, right? But if you look back at the micro and macro decisions you've made over your lifespan, you and the rest of humanity has practiced self-abandonment over and over and over again. It's kind of the process, part of the process of being human. Uh, you have to be able to, you, you have to abandon yourself at times in order to learn how to come back to yourself. If you're a prideful person, you'll flat out deny that you've done this, right? You think you've, you're like the, you know, the knee, bee's knees. Uh, but if you're a person who values personal growth, you'll have recognized this about yourself way before this moment and have begun to do the work that will prevent self-abandonment in the future, right? So things happen, we realize how we failed ourselves, and we make new commitments, right? So that we won't repeat the same patterns. Nothing about personal evolution is easy. Nothing. <laughs> Yet, uh, in order to have what you want, you have to have to have the quality of life that you want, the ideal relationship that you want, the peace and calm that you want. There's no way around, there's no way around doing what you need to do to fix yourself. You have to do the dirty work to experience the clean slate. That's just how it works, right? Today, I'm going to talk about what self-abandonment really looks like and how you can stop it. And I want you to think about these things just in terms of being mindful about them, I want you to really consider the possibility that maybe you've done all of these things. Uh, I, I, I guarantee you I have. So if I've done it and you know how transparent I am about me, uh, I know you have. Uh, but I want to point them out so that you can start being aware of the, the, ways, the ways that you fail yourself. The ways that you just abandon yourself, the ways that you ghost yourself, right? I call it the agreement and the sacrifice. You've heard me talk about that before. You know, we tend to uh, n ignore certain things because we want something else. That's self-abandonment. So I want you to really think about these pieces, these points, uh, and then think about creating new commitments to yourself so that you stop practicing this. Because once you practice uh, abandoning your, uh, your self-abandonment, you come back to you. 
you come back to calm and you'll, you'll not settle anymore uh, for anything less than feeling good and feeling strong in who you are. So the items that I'm going to talk about, they come from a fellow licensed clinical social worker named Sharon Martin. And when I came upon this list, I was like, oh my gosh, I have to share it with my audience. So I'm going to do that today. I'm going to share with you uh, each of these, the, the labels are, belong to her, the commentary belongs to me. So I'm going to, without a doubt, Sharon Martin is the author of the list. I am the author of the commentary. So I wonder if you can think of any other ways that you might abandon yourself after listening to this. I'd be curious. Love to hear from you. Uh, maybe you yourself just write them down other ways, right? So here's the first thing. First on the list is not trusting your instincts. This one is no shocker to most people. And it takes years and years of trial and error to learn the most, this most important lesson. And if you second guess yourself, overthink, assume others know more than you uh, about you or know what's right for you better than yourself, then you abandon yourself in this way, trusting your instincts listening to that wise voice inside, the one that can often be subtle and soft, is the best game plan you could ever have. People who fail to trust their instincts because they talk themselves out of it, uh, they talk themselves out of what they sense, and they use their thinking mind to rationalize their decisions to swat away the truth, kind of like swat away the hunches, um, or they just ignore the nudges, right? They swat those away. They just pretend like those don't happen. Uh, it's like you're swatting away annoying flies. Either way, if you ignore what your gut knows, then you could very well miss some highly important message, right? Or experience that can not only change the course of your day, but the course of your life. So if you abandon yourself, if you ignore the nudges, because they come all throughout the day, and, and some of them are the minutest things. Uh, and I talk a lot about intuition and the nudges. Also, that's, that's significantly in my book. Uh, so you might want to take a look at the book, but also start paying attention to these subtleties that show up and follow them. Second is people-pleasing. So when you seek validation from others... The truth is you've lost trust in yourself. Plain and simple. Nothing outside of you can validate you, fill you up, or make you feel competent or whole. Nothing. Maybe you've tried to fill that gap. If you seek these things, you are like a cup with a hole in the bottom of it. Everything that you get, take in, it'll leak out. There's no... There's no holding a feeling. Feelings in and of themselves are uh, fluid. They, they come and go, and they change all the time. When people try to please others, innately there's a sense of self-doubt. So think about it, people-pleasing. Well, I want this person to like me, so I'm going to agree with them. You've lost yourself. You've abandoned yourself. You don't have a sense of confidence that who you are is enough in addition 
to knowing that if a person doesn't accept you, it's a reflection of them, not you. Think about the things that you seek validation for. Really think about it. We seek validation from bosses, from colleagues, from mates, friends, right? Wow. How's that working? You ever filled up? Nah. What would you need to be? And what would you need to have in place in order for you to only seek your own validation, not needing validation from anybody else? Feedback is different than validation. When you, when you validate yourself, feedback, you take it or leave it. It doesn't impact who you are. So the more you build up the self-validation muscle, the less you feel the need to get approval from others. You just enjoy who you are. You just exist. And you can accept with compassion the fact that people are different from you and the fact that they can take you or leave you. It doesn't impact who you are as a person. The third point is that you abandon yourself when you hide parts of yourself. So consider this one like selling your soul to the devil. It's a big one. Maybe you're somebody in a relationship that's too scared of losing somebody if they find out that you don't have some of their same interests or if you disagree with them or that if they discover your imperfections, they're going to run. Maybe you want to make a particular salary that you're willing to pretend you like a job when it makes you miserable every day and, and drains the life out of you every day. Maybe you're somebody who abandons your own interests for the sake of fitting in. Maybe you're someone who withholds sharing your feelings with others because you're afraid of rejection. If you do any of these things, you've abandoned yourself. Think twice about why you would go to these lengths. Why would you do that? Think about it. Don't be critical of yourself. Just look at why. What need drove that decision to hide parts of you? Look at the motivation behind the behavior. And here, really, the bottom line with this one, the reason why you abandon yourself and hide parts of yourself is because you can't accept all parts of you. That uh, it, it's called avoiding doing the shadow work. When you fully accept all these flaws that you have, because ain't nobody perfect, when you accept them, suddenly they, they become demystified. When you bring your awareness to your flaws and look at them and say, okay, now what can I do to shift how I think about myself? so that I can feel good, so that no matter what part of me becomes exposed, I'm okay. I won't crumble. I won't be embarrassed. I won't have shame. I won't try to defend or justify any parts of me. When you can get to that point, like it would be kind of walking naked down the street and going, hey, y'all, I don't know about you, but I'm feeling pretty good right now. Like it, don't like it. 
That's not, not my monkey, not my circus, right? When you can embrace and love all these yucky parts of you, that's when you have given up on abandoning yourself. You won't start, you won't hide parts of yourself. Like I said, look at the motivation, the not feeling good enough, the fear of losing and pretending to cope. When you stand by yourself in honor of yourself as your best friend, compromises like these, they just won't happen. You won't allow it. And you'll never hide parts of yourself again. The fourth one is perfectionism. I have been very guilty of this. I work on it all the time. Uh, I think I've gotten better, but I don't know about you. I still struggle, even though I know we are not perfect. And I just said it about five minutes ago. But who doesn't struggle with trying to do something perfectly? So here's the thing. If I'm honest, I struggled with perfectionism because I didn't want to be seen as vulnerable and weak. And this... This struggle goes way back to when I was a kid. Um, I have since resolved it, um, but it goes way back to when I was bullied as a kid in seventh grade. I've talked to you all about that story, and I keep referencing it because it's a, it's a baseline about how far I've come. And it's a baseline about how much I've come to love little Janice. She is alive and well. But... Because of that horrific experience, because every day for six months, every single person in my seventh grade class humiliated me, embarrassed me, abandoned me, treated me like a leper, punished me publicly. Uh, I spent most of my life trying to compensate, overcompensate. And I wouldn't put out content that I didn't feel was perfect. I wouldn't show up if I didn't look my best. I wouldn't talk about other people because I was too afraid that I would again be put on the, uh, the chopping block. So all these hauntings from that pushed me to be scared to show up, flaws and all. But having done the inner work, uh, I don't really care anymore if people see me in any particular way. I'm good with myself. And I don't consider any of my flaws to be vulnerable and weak. I'll be the first one to tell you that I have them. And I'll be the first one to tell you what they are. Because to me, like I said in the previous point of hiding yourself, to me, acknowledging my imperfections whether you want to call them weaknesses, imperfections, cracks in my shell, um, that's the best thing I could do because then I don't make those things so menacing. So I know that maybe that sounds weird. Maybe, maybe just hearing the way I described how I saw myself years ago will help you know that you're not the only one that struggles with self-perception. So 
as I emotionally matured, I've come to realize that perfectionism is pretty outdated. And I much prefer learning from my screw-ups, paying attention to the dark parts of who I am, the things that I want to hide, uh, than trying to be perfect. It takes so much effort to be perfect. Or to try to be, because you can't, right? It, pre- it takes a lot of energy to pretend to have it all together. And I can't tell you, like so many people will tell me, gosh, you, 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 you seem like you're such a strong person and you've got it together. And I look at them, I go, for the most part I do, but don't let that fool you. I know how to carry myself, to protect myself. So now I just kind of shake my head and I go, y'all, yes, I feel good and I still am a work in progress. So intellectually, everyone knows that perfectionism doesn't exist. We all know that. It's an oxymoron to be human and be perfect. Think about it. It's impossible. It doesn't work. None of us are designed that way. Now, the essence of who each of us is, is perfect. But the human part, well, you ain't nowhere near perfect, my dear, and neither am I. When you burden yourself with having to be perfect, you set standards that are impossible to reach for yourself. You can never, ever reach them. Now, you can micromanage the hell out of aspects of your life so that you can stay on goal and you can try to to, to control every moment. But even in the micromanagement, you're practicing imperfection because you can't possibly anticipate every single external influence that could possibly interfere with your intention. Think about it. That's what drives people who are anxious crazy because they try to micromanage and then they're anxious about the micromanaging because the micromanaging, something's going to happen that blows things to pieces. Right? In the micromanagement, you can't possibly be in flow, which is perfectionism, by the way, which is perfect. Being in flow is perfection allowing the imperfect to make things perfect in the moment. I'm going to read that again. Being in flow is when perfection allows the imperfect to make things just perfect in that moment. Does that make sense? So quit trying to be perfect. doesn't exist. People see right through it. People sense it. You'll never be perfect. You're, you're good enough. You're great. You're enough. You'll never be perfect. But you can work on accepting yourself as you are. It's not easy. But you can do it. And then you just make improvements. It's really that easy. And there is perfection in that. The fifth one is self-criticism and judgment. That's how we abandon ourselves. If you're someone who constantly feels inadequate, then you are abandoning yourself all the time. You second-guess your decisions. You lack trust in your ability to solve problems. And you are your own worst enemy because you judge yourself far more harshly than anyone else would ever do. We all do it. And chances are, if you feel you aren't enough, or if you have low self-worth, you project all sorts of assumptions onto people, causing you increased anxiety. 
uncertainty, and doubt. And we all have done that. That's why I urge y'all to question the thoughts you think on a regular basis. Question the thoughts you think. Unless they make you feel happy, question the truth of them. 99.99% of the negative thoughts you have in your head are lies. But here's the usefulness about these negative thoughts. They get your attention to notice how the thought makes you feel. So there's, there's richness in that. So if you pay attention to the thought or you notice you have a feeling, think about what you were just thinking about. Take notice. Because that is asking you to shift and change. So that's where the value is of questioning the thought. You have a lifetime of experience that proves that you're much more competent than you could, you could even imagine. So quit being so damn hard on yourself. Number six, not honoring your needs. This is similar to hiding parts of yourself, but just a little bit different. And I'm going to explain why. When you don't honor your needs uh, and you, you are failing to recognize that your needs are valid, you lose yourself over and over and over again. No one can build self-respect when you constantly minimize what matters to you and what you need. You can't cultivate self-acceptance, self-respect, when you're constantly being the sacrificial lamb. When you fail to practice self-care, you give away your power to others to walk all over you. And ultimately, you have no energy left for your own life. You have puttered out of fuel. And you're living on fumes. When you are, who you are and what you need is of the utmost importance. And if you have people in your life that fail to honor those things within you and honor what you need, then my friend, you got to get a new friend group or a new relationship. No one needs friends or relationships like that who don't encourage you to honor what you need and who you are. Number seven, suppressing your feelings. At some point in all of our lives, we have used some method of self-medication to ease our pain. We have to, because we can't be in pain all the time, suffering, so we have to have an out. We've all done it. And that kind of uh, coping is along a spectrum of uh, healthy to unhealthy. Maybe you're an obsessive exerciser. Maybe you're somebody who relies on drugs, alcohol, sex, or some other destructive method to take away emotional pain. When you push away uncomfortable feelings through the denial, drugs, food, or avoidance, you abandon yourself. Period. Most people I feel like know this. Look, you're not the only one who struggles to avoid pain. We all do it. And you're not the only one who struggles with the kind of pain you have. We are a world made up of almost 8 billion people. Surely someone, or lots of someones, struggle with what you've struggled with. And they found ways to live their truth and become happier versions. You just haven't connected with them. So when you're in this space of suppressing feelings and you can't cope, and you're afraid that if you face something within you, your world is going to crumble. People will reject you. You'll lose everything. 
got to reach out to somebody and get out of your head. Reach out to somebody to help you face what haunts you. Because if you don't, your outer world is going to reflect the very abandonment that you practice internally. And you are never going to feel at peace. Number eight, codependent relationships. Most people don't really understand what codependency is or what a codependent relationship is. In short, it's when you have an excessive reliance on someone else, typically when that person requires support because of illness or addiction. Okay, uh, And it's when you serve somebody at your own expense and create what I call a crazy eight, a loop of codependence to feed an unhealthy need to be of value for both people. Think about maybe you've had times where you've done this, kind of stayed in something that's kind of a little messed up. Maybe you haven't. And if you haven't, fantastic for you. But those of you that have, can't you see what I'm talking about? Examples like always being attracted to alcoholics, drug addicts, or other similarly needy and emotionally unavailable people. Feeling as if uh, you need to be in a relationship with someone, anyone, in order for your life to be worthwhile. Trying to control others' behaviors, especially loved ones. Feeling as if you're, you know, uh, as if they are capable of ending a relationship that they know or you know isn't good for you, um, that you're ha- that you're unhappy in. Like you can't end a relationship, even though you know it's not good for you where you try to please everybody else and you don't take time for yourself or even you forget that you need to take care of yourself. Every time you sacrifice in your desperate attempt to have something outside of yourself validate you where you can't stand on your own or you convince yourself that you can't stand on your own and that you're an empty vessel, you're abandoning yourself. Think about what drives you to do this in your life. Find a way to fill yourself up. Last one, not speaking up for yourself. Number nine, this is similar to the one about honoring your needs. Only this is about not being able to set healthy boundaries. And when you let people take advantage of you because you're too afraid to say no, too afraid to upset the apple cart, too afraid to disagree with somebody because you are afraid of rejection and abandonment, right? This is the projection. I always ask my clients when they're scared of making a move, making a decision, they're scared of something. So I say, what's the worst thing that can happen if you do that or don't do that? What's the worst? So we demystify the fear and we identify all the possible outcomes and we identify a plan of response for all the possible outcomes. And then suddenly the decision or the action doesn't seem so risky or fearful because the person becomes clear about what the potentiality is of the decision. What's the worst thing that could happen if you disagree with somebody? What's the worst thing that could happen if you say no? What's the worst thing that can happen if you break up with this person? or quit that job, or move, or stop being controlled by somebody? What's the worst thing that could happen? And then on the flip side of that, I always like to get 
the fears and objections out of the way first. And I say, what's the best thing that could happen, right? What are some of the amazing things that could happen if you choose you, if you speak up for yourself? Once we de demystify the fear, you can come up with a plan to strengthen the muscle of boundary building, self-esteem, of fearlessness. I get it. Saying no is hard. Uh, disagreeing with somebody, not wanting to cause trouble. I know it's hard. Been there, done that, and I still kind of do it sometimes. But I've gotten better at standing in my certainty and not being so fearful of what somebody else might do with my position. Look, nobody wants to disappoint anybody, really. But in the end, who suffers from being a martyr? You. And eventually, you'll begin to self-loathe, hate yourself, have contempt for yourself, and resent yourself for not being able to establish boundaries with others. And unless you stop blaming other people for treating you badly and say, wait a minute, where am I not holding myself accountable? Where am I not drawing the line? Then you're going to keep thinking life is happening at you and people are just crappy. And that's not good. You want to speak up for yourself. So my friend, please pay attention to the ways uh, in which you abandon yourself. Maybe you can think of other ways, like I said. And if you can, find somebody who can help you work through these self-worth issues. Establishing boundaries and speaking up for yourself and your needs is so healthy. If you come at life combative, that's one thing. But if you're calm in your own position and who you are, then speaking up for yourself is just simply being. It's not bitchy. You're not being an asshole. It's not mean or selfish. It's only these things when the person on the receiving end doesn't like that you do it. I hope today's conversation, talk has been helpful, the topic pretty cool. Um, and I hope it gives you uh, touch points about where you could shore up ways in which you abandon yourself. Because I want you to be happy. I want you to feel whole by your own making, because that's really the only way that you can. I wish you a blessed day, a wonderful week, and as always, love yourself and live intuitively. Thanks for listening to The Intuitive Therapist. If you like what you heard, the best compliment you can give us is to share this podcast with a friend. And be sure to give us some stars and a favorable review at Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen in.